Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So I know that I'm not telling you guys anything new when I say that there is so much uncertainty in our world today. With the fact that we're currently living through a pandemic, I know that our list of fears and concerns is long. And I know that for most of us, one of the many things we are really worried about right now is our jobs. All of our work is being affected in one way or another right now. So many people are losing jobs, have already lost jobs, businesses are closing, this is impacting everyone. I was watching the news yesterday thinking about this and thinking about y'all and just wishing that I could share some sort of encouragement with you on the topic of job uncertainty. And then right in that moment, I got an idea. I remembered that just a few weeks ago, I was a guest on my dear friend Hannah Seymour's podcast. By the way, her podcast is called No Matter What with Hannah Seymour, and it is excellent. So if you haven't checked out her show yet, make sure you do. But in the episode I was on, I got to tell the story of how Carl and I lost four jobs between the two of us before our first wedding anniversary. I've shared parts of that story here and there, but that interview was the first time I've told the whole story from start to finish. And so that's actually what you're gonna be hearing on the show today. Hannah so graciously gave me permission to reshare the episode we recorded for her show here on Girls' Night, and I'm so glad she did. Now, if you listened to last week's episode, you may notice that we're doing a little Hannah Seymour doubleheader here. Hannah was our guest last week as well, but you know what? I think that's just perfect. Because when life is as crazy as it is right now, can we ever have too much truth and encouragement from a wonderful and wise big sister? I don't think so. So I'm so glad to have Hannah here with us again. Friends, if you are facing job uncertainty right now, which I know that most of us are, I know that nothing makes this instantly better. But I do know that every part of our lives is just a little bit easier when we're not in it alone. And so that's my prayer for this episode. I'm praying that this episode reminds you that you are not alone in this. You are not alone and you don't have to figure this out alone either. And that brings me to my second prayer for this episode. God was so faithful to us as Carl and I lost all of those jobs. And as you hear the story of how he showed up in our lives, I'm praying that it reminds you that he can and will show up in this for you too. Okay, one last thing before we dive in. I know that we could all use as much encouragement as we can get right now. And so I actually put together a little 10-day devotional to help us connect with God in the midst of all of this uncertainty. I've spent the last few days going through my book, The Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and pulling out 10 of the devotions I thought would be most helpful, encouraging, and comforting for all of us right now. And I put them into a little ebook that you guys can download for free. In a little nod to the Frozen 2 song that none of us can stop singing right now, I'm calling it Into the Unknown, a 10-day devotional for seasons of uncertainty, and I would love to share it with you. Again, it's 10 of my favorite entries from my book, The Lipstick Gospel Devotional, stories, reminders, and pieces of scripture that I know we all really need in this scary season of our lives. To download it, just head over to smaywilsonshop.com and you can pick up a copy there for free. Okay, with that said, let's jump into the episode. Here's my conversation with Hannah. 
Today on No Matter What, I have my sweet, incredibly talented friend, Stephanie Mae Wilson, joining me in the studio. Stephanie is an author, podcaster, and speaker, and she has this incredible tribe of women who take her courses and read her books and listen to her podcast. And I mention them because I know several of those women are probably listening to this episode right now only because Steph has had me on her show, I don't know, like a hundred times. <laughs> so it is my great delight to finally be hosting my own podcast so that Stephanie can be my guest of honor. Steph, thanks for being on my show. I, I'm sitting here just so excited. And like, as you said that, I was like reaching for my phone. I need to take a picture. This moment is so good. <laughs> and um, I'm just super honored to be here. Oh, well, truly, like you are a guest of honor for me. Okay, so let's get down to business. I think that most people have a desire somewhere within them to do something that matters with their life. And I mean, the truth is that you were created for that. Every single one of us was uniquely created by God to do something on this earth. And your life really is meant to matter. But I think most of us get caught up in this tension. Either we think we have to be our ideal self. So we have to like have it all together, which is kind of impossible, (laughs) daunting at least, but certainly a lot of times impossible. Or two, and I think this one is more often, we think our life has to have the set of ideal circumstances. My life needs to look a certain way in order for me to really be who God has created me to be. So those are our no matter what's, those seasons, those areas that just aren't ideal. Because your life and mine is never going to be perfect, so amidst our imperfection, how do we be who God created us to be no matter what? So all of that context to say, I want to talk about one of your no matter what seasons. So set the stage for us. Who were you? How old were you? What was going on in life? So I was about 26 when this was happening. I think 26, 27, 28, sort of in this time. Um, I uh, am from Denver, Colorado. Originally, I had moved. um, Well, I had just gone on this crazy mission trip where for 11 months, I traveled around the world going to 11 different countries. And I had just come home from that trip. And when I got home, the organization that put the trip together invited me to come down and work for them. And I say come down because they're located uh, an hour north of Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. And I had had never been to the South, like, and not only been like, it had never occurred to me, like I should go visit the South. Like it just hadn't, it was just a part of the country that had not crossed my mind yet. And here I was packing up my little Scion TC and driving down to Georgia to go work for this missions organization. And my whole life felt very uncertain in front of me. I wasn't dating anyone at the time. I'd just um, gone through a breakup and really it was like my plan for my life had fallen apart in a whole bunch of different ways Mm. leading up to this. And God had been I don't know. We were just on this very windy path together, but my windy path took me to an hour north of Atlanta. And I walk in on the first day and uh, a really significant thing happened that day. I'm getting toured around, um, showing my desk and figuring out, because I was working in the marketing department and I'm getting introduced to all the different people who work there. And one of the first people I was introduced to was a guy named Carl Wilson, who I ended up marrying. Mm. Um, now to be fair, I totally did not know he was my husband. The second I met him, (laughs) um, I thought he was really intimidating, really smart, 
did I mention intimidating? And he was wearing mustard yellow pants. Oh my God. So uh, those were like my first impressions of Carl. So um, I start working at this missions organization and everything's going really well. I'm working in marketing. I'm learning a ton. Um, I was in the video department at first. My background is in broadcast news. So I was making like promotional videos and doing that for the organization. And then I ended up getting the chance to start a magazine for them. Um, So that was like kind of my day job. On the side, I started blogging as I traveled around the world Mm -hmm. and really fallen in love with it. And so I was blogging and just kind of starting to use my voice in, in a way that I felt like God had made me to use it. And so that was kind of this like side hustle. And then at the same time, I start falling in love with Carl. We, our love story just kind of took off. So we're dating, I'm working hard, I'm dreaming on the side. And I really felt like that was where we were supposed to be for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, We got engaged on Christmas. So we'd been dating for about 14 months. We got engaged on Christmas day. And, you know, as we're engaged, we're talking about our future. We're starting to plan the wedding. And we decided, you know, we both had an inclination that we would work somewhere else at some point. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't think we'd like landed in the spot we'd be forever. Um, I wanted to be a full-time writer at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought very far down the road. And Carl um, is this genius designer, brand strategist guy. And that's what he was doing for the organization. And we knew at some point, like he would maybe go start his own company or do freelance or something. So we, we knew that something else was next, but we thought it was way down the line. And we had this conversation while making dinner one night, he's over at my apartment and we're probably making like mac and cheese, my specialty, the SMW specialty. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we decided that we wanted to work at the organization for at least another year because we figured we had good mentors, we had good friends, good community surrounding us, yeah. stable jobs. Yeah. And we weren't really ready to like fly on our own yet. And, and so we figured yeah. like, as, as long as so much of our life is changing in getting married and yes. what that entails, let's keep the rest the same. Some good wisdom, like stay where you are, stay yep. in the community that you're in. Yeah. 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 So that was our plan. That's kind of where we were. I really loved my job. We had great friends that we worked with. Um, The organization felt like a church in a lot of ways. It just was a really great spiritual community and home for us. Um, We were both thriving at work, kind of growing our little side hustles on the side, falling in love, planning our wedding. And that's kind of where we were. So things are going kind of as to plan. Yeah. You really kind of feel like you're in the epicenter of God's will for your life. I mean, can you say that? Yeah. Yes. And then what happens? Well, so, uh, it was three months after we got engaged and about three months before our wedding, we were engaged for like six and a half, seven months. And we walk into work on a random Thursday in March and like normal day. And so first of all, Carl has this weird life rhythm. You know this about him. Yes. He uh, stays up really late, works really late. Like he's just a total night owl. Yep. Um, and so he would was kind of known for like working until two, three in the morning and then kind of coming into work a little bit late. So Carl wasn't there at work yet. I was there just a normal day. And all of a sudden, everyone around me, everyone who's sitting in our little office starts getting called into another small office with our, our immediate boss um, and some consultants and some leaders from the organization. And like one by one, people are getting called out. And I mean, I just wasn't thinking anything of it. I'm answering emails or doing whatever, but people aren't coming back in. And Mm -mm. it didn't really occur to me that anything strange was going on until my name got called and I go into the office and I'm surrounded by like some really serious looking executives and my boss. And they tell me that I have not done anything wrong. This is not my fault, but that because of 
budgetary restrictions. Mm -hmm. They're having to cut a lot of people in the organization and that I was being let go effective immediately. Mm -hmm. And my heart is like beating really hard right now, even just thinking about that moment because I'm like sweating and lightheaded and just shocked. Like, I mean, they, they handed me an envelope that had a severance check in it. And I mean, I didn't even know what a severance check was. Mm -hmm. It had never, I mean, I'm like a type A follow all the rules. Like I never thought I would get let go from a job. I'd never been fired, never anything. And it, I mean, it just didn't even occur to me that this was possible for my life. So they hand me this check and I'm sitting there just like trying to like connect the dots. And so my first question is, uh, and I, I mentioned a couple of the friends that didn't come back into the office and I was like them. And, and he said, yeah, yeah, they're them too. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm like, Carl, Carl is on my team. Like Carl and I work together. Mm-hmm. And so I said, what about Carl? And he looks back at me and my boss, like poor guy, he did not want to do this. This was not his choice. He looked back at me so sad and he just was like, Steph, that's not your news to have to tell him. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to tell you. And mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, we're getting married in three months. I need you to tell me. (laughs) Um, and he said, yeah, Carl too. So, I mean, I don't know. I walked out of the office and my head is spinning and I went back on the back porch of the, of the building, which it turns out is where everyone else had ended up. Everyone's just sitting out there going, what just happened? And at about that time I saw Carl's car pull up and I got a call from him. He's like, Hey, where are you? And, And I just didn't answer my phone. Um, and then a few minutes later he comes out on the porch and our eyes locked I went over to him and he hugged me and we just stood there for a long time. And he was like, we're going to be okay. I just, I never saw that coming. Mm -hmm. We were getting married in three months Mm -hmm. and now neither of us had a job and no plan. (laughs) It was not, that was not part of the plan. Um, And the next several weeks were just a total blur. Mm. We were heartbroken. Yeah. We, because this wasn't just our job. It was our spiritual family. It was our like your whole world, our whole world. And all you of were our getting friends. married and expecting to exist in that whole world. Forget yes. even being financially provided for. Right. Yeah. We, yeah, we, we had, we thought we had mentors. We thought we had friends. We thought we had people who cared about us and who were going to support us as we stepped into this next season of our life. And like, we just were kicked out of the family mm-hmm. is how it felt. Mm-hmm. I was so angry. Yeah. I was so angry. Um, were you angry at God? I don't know if I was as much angry I I was very confused with God. I think that by that point, I had had enough experience with God where things didn't turn out the way I was hoping that they would Uh for me to see that usually he had a better plan in mind. So I think I I technically believe that he had a better plan in mind. I was just very unsure of what that was. Uh Um, I think I was really just more angry at the people involved and, and really just so hurt and confused and just, yeah really, really, really angry. Yeah. It was hard because in this time, like I'm, I'm feeling like I just got broken up with and like, Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with just, I mean, I cried so much in the wake of that, but we, I mean, we had to pick up the pieces. We had to figure out what to do next. And we reacted a little bit differently to this. Carl immediately started applying for jobs. Cause I think this sort of like provider thing kicked in where he's like, we're about to get married. Someone needs to have a paycheck. Um, so he starts applying for jobs. It took me a little bit longer to want to, I mean, I just had no idea what I wanted to do instead. We spent the next, you know, several weeks, months, I don't even know how long applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. We applied everywhere. I heard back from absolutely no one. Mm. So we're just 
watching our wedding come closer and closer and having no idea what was around the corner for us. What did your prayer life look like? Or like, what was, what were you praying or what were you talking to God about in this particular moment? Um, guidance. Mm -hmm. Because we, at one point we pulled out a slip of paper and wrote down all the places we could possibly think of moving on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about like moving internationally. We had every city from like Austin to Portland, to Denver, to New York, to LA. I mean, it was like, there was no funnel here. There was no clear direction. We had no overwhelming to have more than essentially three choices, I think. And I mean, really how we currently live, like the world is truly your oyster. You can live anywhere. Anywhere. Yep. And, and I mean, it just was totally overwhelming. And then it was really discouraging because I'm applying to all these jobs and no one is getting back to me. Yeah. Like I'm not even getting a rejection. I'm getting nothing. Silence. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, I'm applying to so many different things and in so many different like fields. And I mean, I'm just applying anywhere I can think of and yeah. getting nothing back. Yeah. Well, finally, I'm feeling so lost and so confused. We're, we're waiting to hear. Carl had one lead in Atlanta that we were waiting to hear on. It felt like it was going to be a good opportunity. Um, but in the meantime, I'm thinking, well, what do I do? And he suggested that I reach out to a friend of mine who lived um, in Nashville and who was a little bit ahead of me on this like author writing, writing uh-huh. journey. Yeah. So I reached out to her and she and her husband had really had some experience having just the rug ripped out from under them mm-hmm. a couple of times. And so she just had some just true compassion for where we were and invited both Carl and I up to Nashville to spend the weekend with them. And she's like, we'll pay for everything, which was great because we had no money. <laughs> like, um, great because we're unemployed. <laughs> yes, exactly. we're on a budget. It's uh, zero. Um, so she invited us up and was just like, let's just talk about it. So we came up to Nashville. It was the first time I'd ever been. And we spent the weekend with them. And, and at the end of the weekend, uh, we're sitting over breakfast and they told us that she had a position open for like a part-time writing assistant. And she asked if I would want it. And, um, I felt this really crazy cocktail of emotions. Part of me was really excited Mm -hmm. because that meant a next step for me. Yep. One step Um, closer to what you wanted to be doing. Yes. And if I was working for her part-time, maybe I could do my own stuff Mm part-time, which felt very premature. It felt like, you know, putting a couple sticks together and then trying to move a family on top of it. Like (laughs) not a home, not done. Um, and so I, so I'm feeling like excited and hopeful about that and honored that she thought of me. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for the next thing. But also I remember crying my eyes out that night because I think that I had I mean, it was deep below anything my brain could wrap its head around. Like, you know, I mean, I couldn't put language to this at all, but I think I, I knew that we were going to move to Nashville. I think I knew it was going to be really hard Mm. and I was right. So it turns out that that job in Atlanta just wasn't panning out. They were waiting for funding or something and it just wasn't coming through. And we're watching our wedding approach and all of our leases run up and stuff. So we're like, we need to make a decision. And so ultimately we just had to move on. Um, and so Carl and I, uh, a week before our wedding moved to Nashville, um, with a half of a job between us. It was a part-time job for me and that was it. Okay. I think a lot of us come to places in life where we just have to make a decision and it doesn't really feel like we're getting any like communication from the Lord. Like if God had provided both full-time jobs for you, that's an obvious door open. Like God is providing here. Mm -hmm. Um, So how did you make a decision? You had to, you had to take the next step. Yes. 
not all signs were pointing towards Nashville. God did not like speak to you in your dreams. Like how did y'all practically make that decision? I mean, it was the only door that opened yeah. and it didn't even open. It didn't swing open. Yeah. It was like no red carpet, just a, it crack. Was a crack. It was a crack. Um, and yeah, we had to make a decision. Our, our leases were running out. We were going to have nowhere to live yeah. and our wedding was coming up. And so we had to do something. And I think that because part of what made moving to Nashville hard was that it didn't feel obvious that we'd made the right choice. Yeah. And I think if, if everything had just like fallen into place, I would have trusted a little bit more that yep. we did the right thing. But I mean, for, a, for a while after that, I was asking God, like, why are we here? Mm. And I think that there were some, he was giving some answers to that a lot sooner than I started recognizing mm -hmm. them. Um, now I can see so many reasons sure. that we're here and, and there are so many reasons that we're here. But at first, I mean, I didn't know what they were in mm -hmm. advance. We just had to choose something. So it kind of was like, we're going to make this decision and God, now we're praying that you're with us and you're going to go before us and work this out. Yes. And we were totally unsure that that was going to be the case. Yeah. So we moved to Nashville and I started working with that author part-time. Um, and it was good. It was good work. Um, she was really great. I was learning a lot and it was a really good situation, but we still didn't know what Carl was going to do. Right. So, I mean, we're navigating so many new things all at once. Like we're newly married. We brought all our stuff to Nashville. We're here for like three days, then went back to Atlanta to, for our whole to wedding married, weekend. Yeah. yeah like flew out of Atlanta for our honeymoon, flew back to Atlanta, drove back up to Nashville. And all of a sudden we are newly married mm -hmm. in a new city, mm -hmm. in a new state, in a new apartment, uh, a very old apartment, but it was new to us. <laughs> um, and I remember uh, that apartment. I was going to say, I know you remember that <laughs> Next apartment. Next to the vape shop or um, whatever. Yes, really. <laughs> yes. Next to a vape shop. Um, so into a very old new apartment um, with new jobs and everything was new. Nothing felt secure. Mm -hmm. Nothing felt safe. And so I dove into work. We're still trying to figure out what Carl was going to do. And an opportunity opened up because the woman I was working with, her husband was also sort of between opportunities. And he asked Carl if he wanted to work with him. Mm -hmm. And so the two guys started a, a company together doing some marketing and branding stuff. And then us two girls were working together and we all had an office space, the four of us. And it felt like we were really starting to make some traction. Yeah. Um, Carl was doing in a way what I felt like he was meant to do. It was mm -hmm. a great first step, a great opportunity. Um, I was doing, you know, in a way what I felt like I was supposed to do. I was getting to kind of grow my own thing on the side without yeah. having to put all of my weight on top of it. Yep. And we were starting to make some friends in Nashville, but about six months into that, everything fell apart Oh my God. <laughs> because it turns out and I have to, I, I try to be really careful when I tell this story because parts of it were really ugly and yucky and painful and personal. And um, so I try to just, if this feels vague, it's just out of a desire to be honoring to everybody yes. who is yeah, involved. Absolutely. Um, so basically one day the guy that we were working with decided that he didn't want to work with Carl anymore. And I still am not totally sure what his thinking was, mm -hmm. um, kind of what he said was like, uh, I don't want to hold you back. Kind of a, it's not, it's not you, you it's, it's me. me. Yeah. yeah. And Carl's like, what do you mean? Hold, hold me back. I just want to provide for my yeah. family. I'm just trying <laughs> like, to like make some money. I'm just like, trying to like pay yeah. my bills here. Yeah. 
And really, I think it was, they were about to launch something that I think the guy thought was going to do really well. And Carl was like a 40% partner or something yeah. in it. It's and nice I, to own a hundred percent of your It is nice, to, especially if you think it's going to do really well. Yeah. And so it was like the day before it launched, he wow. took us out to lunch and said, it's not you, it's me. And so for the second time in less than a year, Carl and I had to clean out our desks together and just take all our stuff home and go what in the world are we going to do now? The second time in less than a year and you'd been married for six months. Uh, yeah. 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 We've been married for six months. Yeah. Um, I mean, we had $11 in our bank account at one point. Oh I think, I think Carl went to the grocery store and got his debit card declined. Um, cause we had truly $11 in our bank account. I mean, we had a little bit more than that in like other accounts, uh-huh. but like that tells you we had to move money from different account, from a different account into our debit account yeah. because we had that little. Was your conversation with God changing from the first time? Yeah. I think I was much more angry this time yeah. <laughs> because it just, I mean, one time is enough, right. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and, and I could see how this story was, you know, I, I trusted the story to that point. I'm like, okay, great. Maybe it was time to move on from this organization, moving into a new thing. It was exciting moving to Nashville in some ways. It was exciting to be part of sort of a startup kind of thing. And I was getting to do my own work. Like I could, I could work the story out in a way that made sense, Mm -hmm. but for it to fall apart and fall, fall apart in a way that felt so unfair Mm -hmm. and, and ugly and painful. And I mean, we had built our social circle around these people. Like we, we didn't know anyone when we moved here. And so they were like, some of our only friends. Yeah. And so all of a sudden the places we used to go that were sort of the places that were familiar to us, like we couldn't really go there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went to this, we were invited to this event as this was sort of all falling apart and we showed up and those people and the group of friends that they, that we had started hanging out with were all sitting up front and we noticed like there weren't seats for us anymore. Like there mm-hmm. truly weren't chairs with them for us anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we sat in the back said hi real quick and then left. And it just was like, okay, this life that we even started building isn't going to work anymore. We have to, we have to really start over. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done, and that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. 
BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So something that my preacher daddy often says when talking about the Bible, he says, you know, God is the capital A, the big A author of the Bible. But man, like about 40 men were the lowercase a, little a author who actually put pen to paper. And I like to take that analogy and apply it to our lives. I think it's the same. I think God is the capital A author of our lives, but we are the little A author. So, I mean, maybe this is obvious, but how would you have written this storyline differently if you were truly the capital A author? I mean, would you have signed yourself up for losing two jobs and all your friends and all your money and 
No, no, <laughs> Anna, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, if I had my way, I would have kept us in Georgia for at least another year. Yep. And over that year, Carl and I would have gotten to, to slowly make some changes in our lives. We would have gotten to move in together in a city where we like didn't need our maps app all the time to even find the grocery store, yep. um, where we already had friends, where we already had mentors. We would have gotten to keep our jobs together. We would have gotten to celebrate our wedding, like around all these people that had watched us fall in love. Yep. We would have gotten to continue to work on our side things, like our heart projects, but without having to put all of our like financial responsibilities on top of them. Yeah. And we just would have done that much longer. It was a really good situation for both of us, a really good training ground. Yeah. Um, but so fast, it felt like we just got kicked out of the nest. And then it was like the first nest we tried to find to settle back in. Mm-hmm. We got kicked out of that one too. Yeah. Um, it's like your, where you all started was really comfortable. It was so comfortable. And then it kind of sounded like, oh, maybe we've got another new little comfy Barely comfy, comfy, but like, at least we have a nest. Yes. And then that nest is blown apart. So you said earlier that you were at a point where you're like, God, this is unfair. Why are you doing this? I mean, how did you handle that? How does that not just totally shake your (laughs) belief and trust in God? I mean, I think it, it, it did and it didn't kind of similarly to how you were saying the capital A author and lowercase author or lowercase a author, um, I feel like there's my capital T trust and my lowercase T trust. Yeah. My lowercase T trust is in my head. It's the it's where I'm thinking like, what in the whole world is happening? Or yeah. it's where I'm looking at my bills thinking this is not, the math here does not add up. Right. Um, it's where I'm feeling so scared and so unsure and I'm looking for answers and I'm feeling like, God, where are you in mm-hmm. this? My capital T trust, I feel like lives in my heart and in my soul Mm -hmm. and somewhere more towards my middle gut. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and in there, like deep down, I still believe that God is good Mm -hmm. and that he was going to take care of me. And there are a whole bunch of verses that I really clung to in this time. But, um, my, the main one, my, like, everything is hitting the fan. Everything is falling apart. Like, we're going down kind of verse that I always hold on to is Romans eight twenty eight, Yeah. Um, and it says in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Mm. And when I first, I remember hearing that verse, it was in church and the pastor was like, in all things, you want to know what all means? All, all. in all <laughs> things. And I just, I couldn't see it. And I had no idea how the story was going to work out and not one bit of it felt good. Yeah. But I knew deep down, somewhere towards my middle, (laughs) that that God was going to do something good here, Mm. that in all things. And it also reminds Mm. me um, in my Bible, I have that verse circled, Romans 8, 28. It's probably like, I probably have ruined that page with how many times I circled (laughs) it. Um, But I have uh, Genesis 50, 19 and 20, Uh I think it is. I'm right next to it. And it's, uh, it's in the story of Joseph where Joseph finally gets reunited Mm. with his family. And his, these are the siblings who sold him off into slavery. Um, and he's reunited with them and they are like, and this is once Joseph has risen to power and they all of a sudden need him. And they're thinking Joseph is going to just like leave us hanging because we probably, yeah, because we (laughs) basically killed him. Um, and Joseph says, um, what you meant for evil, God intended for good yep. and for the saving of many lives. Yep. 
And that verse really helped me a lot because it's not that anyone intended anything for evil. Like I don't believe, you know, organizations are led by humans who are flawed and money is hard. You know, I get that. Um, and, and people are in different places in different times and make decisions for different reasons. Like, I don't think that anyone was really trying to be evil to us, but it felt evil in a lot of ways. It felt bad. And I don't think that God intended that. Like, I don't think God like orchestrated this whole thing to hurt us in any way at all. But, um, I knew that what, whatever happened, God intended for good and that he was going to use it for the saving of many lives yes. in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, and, and I mean, he has. Yeah. I think that's so amazing because I think a lot of us fall into the trap when things get hard, when they get uncomfortable, when they're scary, we start letting our circumstances tell us who God is. So, I mean, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I think your circumstances could have easily been yelling at you saying, God's not here. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. He doesn't see you. He doesn't have a plan. He's not sure how he's going to provide for you. I mean, it's really easy to let what we see inform us of who God is. And instead you clung to Romans 8, 28. No, no, no. He's good. And he does everything, all things for my good and for his glory. Like I have to cling to the capital T truth, as you said, and let that continually like wash my brain, wash my heart and re-inform me of who God is. Because yeah, my circumstances are not screaming loud that <laughs> that this is for my good because it, it doesn't feel good. I think one of the things that helped me, because you're right, everything around me was pointing to the fact that like God had forgotten me, that he forgot what day we were getting married or like <laughs> had just was totally clueless as yeah. to how much our bills were going to be. Yeah. But one of the things that really helped me not rely on my sight and, and not let my circumstances dictate who I believed God, God to, to be, be were actually two verses that I've held on to for my whole, whole life. Um, one of them is the first verse I ever saw ever mm-hmm. in like, I mean, I, I think I went to, to Sunday school like a couple times growing up, but yeah. I don't even remember scripture from there. Yeah. This was the first time this I ever, college, right? this was college. Yep. And the first time I saw this, it was written on a mirror in lipstick. And it's Habakkuk 1.5. Uh, and it says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Mm. Now, because we're here on Hannah Seymour's <laughs> podcast and because <laughs> Hannah is like junior theologian, um, I do have to say that when you, t- when you look at Habakkuk in context, yeah. this verse is taken out of context. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but... What I Look, will say, my dad always says, like God has blessed a multitude of verses taken out of context. I love so, that. So yes. it's been blessed. You are it's blessed. It's been blessed. Yeah. So it's it's not like super theologically sound in context, but this is we do see that this is true about God in all kinds of places. Absolutely. That look and be amazed because he's going to do something in our days that we would not believe even if we were told. That's right. And I I kept coming back to that like. The, the, you wouldn't believe it if you, you wouldn't believe it even if you were told, like you can't see this coming. And I held on to that so tightly mm-hmm. because what I c- could see coming or what, what it looked like around me. I mean, if God were to say, I'm going to totally redeem this, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to use this. I'm going to do something awesome in this. Like I probably wouldn't believe him, yep. 
because everything felt so crappy. And so this verse, I could see it coming true in the fact that even if God whispered the plan in my ear, I wouldn't believe him. But I just did my best to sit there and just think like, he's going to do something in my days. Mm. I can't even believe Mm. that's more than I ever could have asked Mm. for or imagined. Mm. The other verse that I love is Proverbs three, five, and six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Mm. And I just tried to remember that over and over and over again. Like trust him. Don't lean on your understanding. Don't lean on what you can see right now. Cause what you can see right now is a dumpster fire. So you obviously clung to some scripture. You obviously clung to what God said about himself and what God says about you and what God says about his greater plan. Anyone in a season like this, you're super under encouraged. Like again, to quote my dad, which I swear that's all I do. He says, everyone's under encouraged. So we're already all operating on a baseline of under encouraged. And then we go through hard seasons. So you're like super under encouraged. You're clinging to God's word to be encouraged. Where else are you looking for encouragement, finding encouragement? Yeah. What did that look like? So there were some really, really sweet aspects to this last one. We were still living in Georgia in the fact that about a quarter of the organization was all let go at once. And we had about 13 people on our marketing team and we were all really, really close. And I think all but three people got let go. Whoa. So, I mean, the nice thing was if we were getting let go from our jobs and we were losing everything, at least we weren't alone. Yeah. And I just am convinced that like, we can get through pretty much anything if we don't have to go through it alone. And so really that group of friends and I clung together so Mm. hard. The very first thing we did when we lost our jobs, I mean, we're cleaning out our desks. Carl and I are cleaning out our desks together. Like what is happening? I had a team of interns that I was leading and I had to just say goodbye to them. Like I'm not coming back after lunch. I'm sorry. Like, and I mean, mean, it was was that immediate. It was that immediate. Yep. It was that immediate. Um, and so, I mean, the very first thing we did, there was a a Mexican restaurant, uh, right down the road from our office. And again, we live, we were working in like rural North Georgia. So there weren't a ton of like culinary options. Um, (laughs) one of the best options was a Mexican restaurant attached to a gas station. Uh, for sure. Yep. Called senior fiesta. Yes. Uh, so we went to Senior Fiesta. And got jumbo margaritas, and got probably jumbo with a beer margaritas. sticking out of it. Yeah, we I mean. absolutely did. Absolutely <laughs> did. Ate Mexican food, drank margaritas. And really, for that moment, it kind of felt like everything was okay. Mm. Like we were all tucked in together yeah. and it kind of felt like we were going to be okay. Mm. Um, and so we did that a lot. We gathered at my house the next day. We had sort of a potluck and we fit like 13 girls around a table and just sat there and talked and laughed and cried and told stories and cried and prayed and ate food and drank wine. And we had all kinds of like slumber parties. At one point, there's a photo of a couple of us at Target at like midnight getting a pizza, frozen pizza. And just, I mean, we've spent so much time in our pajamas together eating and laughing and crying and being angry. And it made it so much easier that we weren't doing it alone. Yeah. And so I feel like that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest lessons I learned through this season is like gather together, yeah. have people over. Like well, I literally, I'm like not to over spiritualize this, but then you say gather together. So I've got to go there. But I mean, my immediate thought, and I mean, some people are going to laugh when I say this, but like 
Acts 2.42. You were gathering together. You were breaking in bread together. You were fellowshipping. I don't know if you were like devoting yourselves to the apostles teaching at that moment, but but still it was this picture. I mean, that was the first thing that popped into my head. Like you gathered and there was like food and sharing. And I think that is so much of what the body of Christ is and does and looks like. And yep. And one of the coolest things about it is um, we were all friends beforehand, but we were best friends sure. after that. And um, it's cool because a couple of those friends have actually been on the podcast before. We call each other our pocket people because we always have a text thread and we always are just in each other's pockets. I like that a lot. Um, and it's been years now since this happened and we are our forever friends mm-hmm. um, because of it and mm-hmm. because we just clung to each other in yeah. the wake of it. But I think that that's why our time in Nashville was so hard was right. because we weren't going through it with Anyone. you know 15 other people. It was just us. Yeah. What was that like for your marriage? It felt, it was funny because I remember being at our one year anniversary and we were like talking about the last year and like laughing and crying because everyone says your first year of marriage is hard. And I don't, I don't think that they had in mind what we went through. <laughs> um, it, but I think that because life was so hard when in the first year of our marriage, it really, it was like the world's best team builder. Mm-hmm. We had to be close. Mm-hmm. We had to really be on each other's team. Mm-hmm. And so I think that marriage wise, um, our marriage was really good mm-hmm. and our marriage got really strong, really mm-hmm. fast because yeah. of it. But I mean, like, yeah, toasting to your first year of marriage being like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It just, it was not what we had hoped for, for yep. our first year of marriage, but I'm really grateful for what it did yep. in our marriage. Yep. Okay. So knowing you both, you had a pretty good sense of like, I know who I am. I know what God has like put on my heart to do. I kind of know what he's like uniquely wired me to do on this planet. Um, but I mean, y'all got no options. Like there, there's no sign that God is opening a door to do any of these things. So right. what were, what were just some like practical do the next thing kind of steps that y'all were taking to be who God created you to be? I mean, amidst a circumstance, it really felt like you couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not the scenario anyone would ever recommend to like start something new out of. Like yeah. if I was giving someone advice for how to start a company or a business or start being a writer or whatever, it would be like, keep your full-time job and wake up extra early or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I think that we, we saw that we had two different options for both of us. Um, we both had these dreams. We both had these things we wanted to do um, that we'd been working on in different capacities for a long time now. And we knew that we could either go for him mm-hmm. um, or try to get another job. And I think that Carl is much more risk averse than I am. Um, just, I think that he has a greater sense of responsibility mm-hmm. than I think it's just sort of wired in him that way. Yep. I could have been like, let's eat ramen for the next six months and like yep. do this, you know, but he, I think it's more of a leap for him to put us at risk that way. Sure. But we had already lost everything. And so it just, and, and twice, yeah. like I, the first time, I mean, he, he would have taken any job and he did, you know, yeah. it, like he did what he needed to do. And, um, and he was going to do the same the second time, but I think we just figured like, we don't have anything to lose. Mm. And so, <laughs> so really there's probably no better time. We don't have kids. We don't have, I mean, we didn't even have plants at the time. Like yeah. we don't have anything to lose. And, and so we might as well give this a try. Yeah. And Carl said that if worse came to worse, 
Like he, I mean, he had to think through worst case scenario. Sure. And for him, worst case scenario was, he said, if we can't make this work, we're going to give this a try. We're going to both do the thing that we feel like God's created us to do. And if we can't make it work, I will go get a job at Applebee's. Yep. <laughs> and the reason that that was worst case scenario, like serving is an awesome job. I've worked in restaurants yeah. before, actually really, really loved it. Yeah. So is he. You can work in um, high-end restaurants and make a very good living. Way better living than yes. we yeah, could even imagine. Yes. Um, the reason it was Applebee's is because he doesn't love the food. <laughs> So he was like, I mean, if I work somewhere else, at least I could enjoy, I could enjoy the food. Yeah. Subsidized food. Yeah, totally. Like I can enjoy the food. I could bring some home, but he was like, Applebee's isn't my favorite restaurant. It might be his least favorite restaurant. And so he's like, the worst case scenario is I work in a restaurant where I don't like the food. And so then I can't even bring good food home. So, so, I mean, really that was like, that was the thing is like, uh, I mean, we'll give this a try. And if it doesn't work out, then we'll work at Applebee's. And so we both kind of took baby steps forward into the thing Mm -hmm. that we felt like we were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Carl was able to retain a few of the clients that they had built up together in that company. Cause some of them were people that like Carl brought in or people he knew. So he did start out with a few small freelance clients and he just kind of got to work on them. We were both working out of our little apartment. I was on the couch and he was in our little guest room. And at the time I'd been blogging and somehow I ended up running across some different women who were doing this full time. And they were writers, but they were a little bit more than writers. And the fact that they had these communities online Mm -hmm. and they had people in their communities asking them for help with different things. And so they created the best solutions they could come up with for how to help people with these things. Um, And some of the ones I found were like based on fashion or based on business or whatever. And I mean, I don't talk about fashion or business, Um, but I had been leading a community of women online for a while now. And you know, was getting asked questions about like, how do you make friends or how do you, how do you handle singleness and dating and navigate that with faith and with intentionality? Like, what does that look like? And how do I get closer to my relationship with God? And so I saw these other women who were making things to help answer questions for people who were asking. And, and I thought, you know, I wonder if I can do this too. Mm. And so I actually found a business course around that time, um, where they, this, this woman was teaching people how to like do their thing. And, mm-hmm. um, the program is called B school. It's still around. It's with Marie Forleo. Um, and it was really great. The problem was though, that the, the course cost $2,000 yeah, and wow. we had like $11. <laughs> um, but I, to me, that felt like the next step, like asking for help, getting connected with some other people mm-hmm. who were also doing this, mm-hmm. taking that step forward, um, taking it seriously yep. by like putting my money where my mouth was. Yep. And so I asked Carl if I could do it. And he was like, I mean, if you can find the money, you can keep it. Yeah. And so what I ended up doing was we had been talked into with, with the couple we were working with, we'd been talked into going to a pretty expensive conference mm-hmm. and neither of us really wanted to go or felt like it was right. But I don't know. I felt a little bit kind of peer pressured into it. And so we bought these expensive conference tickets and I was able to sell them. Um, I was able to sell them and get that money back, which felt really good on so many levels. And I was able to do some like babysitting Mm-hmm. to, to yeah. gather up the rest of the money. Yeah. But that was my first step. It was taking yeah. this class. And I mean, I took it so seriously and yep. I just started following some of the, the people who were already kind of doing this and making mm-hmm. a living doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and Carl was kind of doing the same thing. And I mean, yeah. it was slow at first. Yeah. So, I mean, today, both of y'all are certainly living out what God has put on your heart to do. Y'all are both doing amazing work. I mean, Carl owns his own company and is 
crazy busy and has business partners and tons of teammates that are working for him and doing super cool stuff. You've got like multiple books out now, multiple courses. You've got this super popular podcast that, I mean, I sometimes feel like it blew up overnight. It didn't. You did a lot of hard work, but still, I mean, it would be really easy for people to look at you and be like, oh, wow, well, it all just turned out and it's hunky-dory and everything's perfect. And I mean, in some ways, like I think even as a close friend, it's like, yeah, I, th- I feel like God has kind of given y'all some comfort in this specific area of like my actually like my career, my day job. Of course, that doesn't mean that every area of your life is comfortable and every area of your life is ideal and exactly how you want it to be. So all that, again, I guess I just, I never want this show to feel like, and then everything worked out in the end. Um, Looking back, of course, hindsight is always 2020, but can you look back now and see how God used that horrible, awful, uncomfortable, the bottom fell out twice season of your life truly to quote Romans 8.28, for your good. Yeah, I really can. And um, I mean, we really did have a good situation at that organization, but I think sometimes the situations are so good that they're really hard to leave. Mm. And I wonder if, you know, our plan just generally, you know, as we talked about it even briefly was to leave after about a year. I don't know if we would have left after about a year. Yeah. And me again, like I said, I'm a little bit less risk averse. Like I, I could have seen me being like, I'm going to, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to do this, but not Carl. Mm. And not because he's like, it's just more careful. He's more calculated. He's more calculated. And because I think that it's not that I don't want to take care of him or provide for him. It's just, I don't think that that's like as woven. Yeah. It's like in his DNA. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that for my sake, I just don't think he would have been able to crunch the numbers and have it ever make sense for him to leave mm. a stable job yeah. to do his own thing. Yeah. Um, especially not as we like got further into life or had a mortgage or, yeah. you know, ever have kids or what I mean, right. like he, just never. Right. Um, and so I think that, well, I want to think we would have left at some point and like taken the next step out. Yep. I, it was very helpful that we were pushed out of the nest. Mm-hmm. And when we were like, I would have waited, I think, I don't know what I thought I had to, what, milestone I thought I had to get to before I could do this on my own, but it was certainly far past where I was. Yeah. Um, I just don't know when I ever would have felt like I'd grown this thing up enough to leave a full-time job and same with Carl. So, I mean, really we could still be there. Yeah. And with, with working with that couple, it took me a long time to see good in it because I just, I felt like Carl was very mistreated Uh in it. And that was really hard for me to watch. But I do know that working with them, uh, was really a huge part. I mean, I don't know if I would have written the lipstick gospel at the mm. at the time I did mm-hmm. without their help. Um, they really encouraged me to do that and really helped me a lot. And so that's, I mean, that's a huge thing. My first book wouldn't exist mm-hmm. or wouldn't, ex- I'd still be waiting to write and it. And let me just take a time out. The lipstick gospel is like the best, quickest read ever. And when I worked at Belmont, I would literally give copies of it to my girls right as winter break was beginning. And I would hand it to them and say, read this on the plane. And most of them could, the most of their plane rides were long enough. They could truly read it from start to finish. And there was never a time that one, they always came back and said, okay, thank you for giving me this book. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with her. And there would be something in your story that just flipped a switch for them and would make them go, oh, that's God. Or, oh, that's how God's been reaching out to me. Or, uh, I mean, every time a light would be turned on in a room 
for them and their minds and hearts when it came to their own faith journey. And so, I mean, let me just put that out as a plug. I think you can download it from your site for free. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, a digital file, you can buy, of course, a hard copy, which again was like my favorite thing to do because I, I just like paper. So I, 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 I want to hold a book on the plane, but, but anyway, um, and I knew they would read it if I actually put it Give in their little palms. Yes. Anyway. Oh, thank you, Hannah. I mean, and, and that's not a, it's not a small thing. Getting to write that story was so important and so such a gift for me. Mm. Um, and yeah, what God has done through it has been like mind blowing for yeah. me. Um, and so that story really wouldn't exist without their, um, insistence that I could and mm. that I should. Mm. And they gave me a deadline and I had to meet it and <laughs> it just wouldn't have existed without that. That's amazing. Um, and I think it was also really helpful to be, I, you know, in a lot of ways I was invited into rooms that were bigger than I sort of belonged in, mm. um, because I was there holding her purse <laughs> or, mm. you know, helping out or just listening in. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I learned a lot. And so by the time, um, I mean, I still wasn't ready to go out on my own by the time I did, but I, I really did learn a lot that, mm. that helped me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very painful, unfortunate situation in a lot of ways, yeah. but a lot of good came out of it. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, today I love my job. Yeah. I love what I get to do. And I really do feel like this is what God created me for. And same with Carl. And I think that we both could have gotten lost or stuck a lot of times along the way, yeah. but we weren't able to. Yeah. And that wasn't comfortable. Yeah but it was good. Yeah. So for folks listening who are in a similar circumstance, the bottom in some way has fallen out, whether it's they've lost a job or just finances in general, um, relationships, they've been really hurt from some kind of relationship that's fallen apart. They're lonely. They have no community. I mean, whatever it is in all, in all of those different ways, what would you say to them? How would you encourage them? So three things just came to mind as you as you asked that, the first thing I would say is don't delay when it comes to, to seeking healing. Mm. I sat with anger and fear and mistrust for a really long time after mm. both of those situations. And I mean, in some ways, I think like I learned some good things from it. Like I have this fierce sense of independence now as, <laughs> as a writer and as a businesswoman, I guess, yeah. um, just because like, I, I just, I really love the fact that I get to do this independently yeah. now. Um, and I think there's something really good to that, but I also had a lot of fear about joining new faith communities yeah. or trusting new bosses or partnering with people again. It just, I mean, I had so much fear when it came to that. And so I think that no matter what it is, when, you know, if we've had the bottom drop out in some way, I mean, it causes hurt yeah. in us. It also reveals hurt that was already there. Mm. And I just cannot recommend enough seeking out real help for, for navigating through that. Mm -hmm. I'm such a fan of counseling, mm -hmm. such a fan, just because life is so much easier to go through and we're not carrying a bunch of baggage with us. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think if, if a lot's coming up in this time, whether it's new junk or old junk or a combination of yeah. the two, take this moment, take this, this upheaval and don't let this be your excuse to like lay down and never get back up again. Yeah. Don't let this be the reason that you're broken. Yeah. Um, let this be the catalyst that caused you to go seek healing and newness. Yep. The second thing I would say is, you know, when we're looking for the next thing, it's really tempting to sit and want to wait on the Lord. 
waiting on the Lord is good. Mm -hmm. Doing nothing is not good. Right. I think that we feel like we need to have his permission and a 10 step plan Mm -hmm. before we even get off the couch. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And God never, God's never given me that. Right. Um, I feel like one step at a time, (laughs) one step at a time. Yes. I feel like he gives us enough light on the path to take that next step Mm -hmm. forward. And so we just have to keep taking steps. And if you take a step forward and it ends up being the wrong thing, turn left or turn right. Right. Like you don't have to take a new job and then keep it forever. You don't have to get in a new relationship and have that be the person you marry. Like you don't have to, things can still change. So I would say be bold in your, in your decisions and spend so much time with the Lord, like be so close and and tucked Mm -hmm. up with him that you can hear his leading, Mm -hmm. but don't wait for a a like 10 step path before you move anywhere. Mm -hmm. Trust that he's kind of like, um, I feel like God in a way is kind of like Siri in the fact that, um, right before you need the turn, (laughs) he'll tell you where to go. Sometimes a little too late. Uh, Sometimes a little too late. Um, but, but like he'll tell you as you need it. And there, if you get off course, you can hear reroute you. Yes. Rerouting. And then he'll tell you a new way to get home. And so like, you, you won't necessarily have a whole list of directions before you get started, but like just get in the car and be bold about that and yeah. know that God will be with you. Yeah. And then the last thing is, I think that it's tempting when we go through a loss, you know, we hear something like Romans eight twenty eight, and we're like, okay, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Or we hear Habakkuk 1, 5, and it's like, God's going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe, even if you were told and you lose a job or you lose something major. And in the wake of it, you want to say, it's like at first you, you're expectant and you have hope that God's going to do something good there. But I think that our, our, we're a little short-sighted because sometimes we look at our situation and we go, this is still broken. This is worse than it was. This is not good. Like God, God must not be real. He must not be good. He must not be here, but we need to like, give it a sec. Yeah. We need to back up a little bit because if I think if you're looking at a story and the end of it is broken, you're only looking at a chapter of the story. You need to back up a little bit. If you were to ask me like the day we lost our jobs or even like three weeks later when no one had gotten back to us, like God had not redeemed that story yet. It was still very broken. Or if you had asked me when we got that second job, if he'd redeemed it, I'd be like, sorta. I mean, depending on when you'd ask me, I would say yes, or I would say no. It just takes, his plan takes a minute sometimes. Yeah, for sure does. And it's now with a little bit of hindsight and a little bit more perspective that I can see what he was doing. But I think that we just need to give ourselves and give God a little bit longer of shuffling in the dark and trusting him along the way before we decide that he hasn't redeemed the story. Mm, that'll preach, sister. Okay, so what about the person that's listening to this and they're like, man, this sounds a lot like what my friend is going through. What would you tell them? Like, what can I do to encourage my friend that's in a season like this? Um, I think show up with food. Um, like ser- <laughs> Back to X242. Gather and eat. Gather and eat. Uh, show up with food. Food is, it's not that someone doesn't have food. It's not that someone can't get food. Sometimes they can't. But it's like not having to think about what you're eating for dinner when you're thinking about so many other things is just really nice. Yeah. And it's a way of showing up saying, I know I can't fix this whole thing for you. Yep. Like I don't have a new job for you, yep. but like I can fix a little thing for you today and I'm in it with you. Yep. The other thing I would say, and I've had a lot of friends say this to me recently in life when talking about hard things that, you know, I'm going through, they'll say we mm. like 
Like we can still, like, we're still hoping. We're still we're hoping. We're in this together. We're, uh-huh. Yep. Instead of you, like, what are you going to do next? It's what yep. are we going to do next? Yep. And just that tiny shift of a word means everything. Yep. I just, I just am convinced we can go through anything if we don't have to go through it alone. I'll never forget. I was going through a really hard season. A relationship had ended. I was devastated. And a friend looked at me and said, I know that you feel like you, you have no hope. I can see it in your face. Like you have no hope that this is going to (laughs) be redeemed. But let me tell you, I have so much hope for you in this exact situation that you can borrow some of mine. I will never forget it. And I use her words all the stinking time when I'm looking at my friends and you can see, you can see it in your friend's eyes. You don't have any hope in this situation, but I've got so much hope because I believe in the God of the universe who created all of this and created you and thought of you when he created you. And so I know that he's in this and I know he's got a plan for you. I know Romans eight twenty eight that he causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. I know that. So I've got enough hope. You can borrow some. Love it. Thanks for being on the show, Steph. Thanks for having me. I love you, friend. I love you always. Friends, I'm so glad I got to share that episode with you. I've been wanting to tell you that whole story forever, and I'm so glad that I finally got the chance. I hope it's encouraging for you as we're going through such a crazy time of uncertainty right now. God was with me in every single moment of that uncertainty, and He's with us now too. So I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but if you haven't gone over to listen to Hannah's new podcast, you absolutely should. It's called No Matter What with Hannah Seymour, and it is excellent. We'll make sure to link to it in our show notes for this episode. Also in the show notes, we'll have a link for the free 10-day devotional we just put together for y'all. Like I said at the beginning, it's 10 of my favorite devotionals from my book, The Lipstick Gospel Devotional. We're calling it Into the Unknown, a 10-day devotional for seasons of uncertainty, and the link to download it will be in our show notes. You can find the show notes at girlsnightpodcast.com. All right, friends, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me for Girls Night, and I'll see you next week.